On this episode of Cinema Smorgasbord Presents, we do our own stunts. We're still with Lo Wei in South Korea trying to make Jackie Chan a star. It's To Kill with Intrigue from 1977. Welcome to We Do Our Own Stunts, a chronological look at the life and work of martial arts superstar Jackie Chan. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me is the world's deadliest man, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing today, Liam? I think you've called me the world's deadliest man a few times now. Yeah, you know, it's on this episode, you're always on this show, uh, We Do Our Own Stunts, you're always the world's deadliest man. Oh, okay. I like that. I appreciate that. Um, I'm not very deadly, but I am probably a man. Liam, we are pretty deep into the career of Jackie Chan at this point on the We Do Our Own Stunts podcast. Okay. Well, I, I'm I'm bringing this up for a reason. I know that you had been feeling a little disheartened because sure. you and I, we discussed, hey, let's start a Jackie Chan podcast with the idea that, wow, we've, we've seen a bunch of Jackie Chan movies. They're so much fun. I can't wait to see the silly, fun, goofy, fun, great Jackie Chan movies that we all know and love. But so far, there hasn't been a lot of that goofy, fun happiness. Well, part of the motivation was to say, my man has done a ton of movies, and we hadn't seen a lot of them. So there there was a desire to see those movies. The issue is, at this point in the back catalog that we haven't seen, there hasn't been a lot of joy. And I'm hoping once we move into the part of his career where Jackie Chan could be Jackie Chan, there are still some surprises. Which doesn't mean I'm not excited to watch things I've watched before, but I would like to be surprised by something pleasantly, and that hasn't mm-hmm. happened yet. Not a lot of pleasant surprises. I do have to agree with that. I liked, I've liked some of the films that we've covered so sure. far. I liked uh, Shallon Wooden Men quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, but you're right. Yeah, it's been a, I've, I've had a hesitation because uh, we have not yet seen the Jackie Chan that we know and love, though we are seeing the evolution of him as an actor towards that direction. So the reason I wanted to talk about this briefly at the beginning of the show, Liam, is to bring up the idea that we are getting close. We are getting very, very close to that moment where the breakthrough occurs. So right now we are talking about To Kill with Intrigue. Then we're going to talk about Snake and Crane, Arts of Shaolin. Then Magnificent Bodyguards. And that's the line. After that, he makes Snake in the Eagle's Shadow and Drunken Master. And those are the two movies that are going to launch him into superstardom and kind of develop the... Jackie Chan character that we know and love. There's the, Then after that, there's going to be a few movies that are going to be kind of backslides or still him kind of finding his feet. But two more movies after this one, Liam, and you can finally get <laughs> the kind of movies that you started this podcast to watch in the first place for. I'm so excited for 2022. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, we could we could devote a month. We could just say, you know, this month, we're just going to do episodes of We Do Our Own Sons, and then you can burn through the ones that you don't want to watch. By the way, I don't know if those other two movies are bad. Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin. We could be pleasantly surprised. It's just that we haven't been pleasantly surprised much so far. I don't want people to feel like I'm down immediately. Every single one of these movies I've been ready to be excited about. And as you said, they're not all bad. Some of them I've enjoyed, but it does very much feel like the assumption that we had going in is true, which is that he turns a corner and that there's a dramatic shift. 
And we we kind of, I think, on episode one talked about that, but we're willing to be surprised and find out, like, well, there's some early stuff that is better than we think it is. And I wouldn't say that that, that hasn't happened at all, but not in a way where it's like, everyone's wrong, this is an early Jackie Chan movie that isn't one of the canon, but everyone should check out. I don't think we've watched anything yet, Doug, where if I met someone who considered themselves a Jackie Chan fan, I'd be like, <laughs> you have to see this because it's essential. Nothing we've watched so far has felt essential, and that's what I'm looking for in these last two movies before we get to what is generally considered like the essential Jackie Chan canon. It's never going to be until maybe mid-80s, mid to late-80s, a point where we're just going to see kind of banger after banger after banger after banger because there's always those kind of weird moments in his career when he's trying like, to break through in Hollywood yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, and that sort of thing. But I will say that things are going to get a lot more consistent soon. And that will be a good thing, I think, for your uh, mental state, Liam. <laughs> uh, me- me, I also, I have, maybe I enjoy the history aspect of it more than you, but I will say it's also hard as someone who tries to do a bit of research on these movies that we're covering because in like his biography, when he talks about this area of his past, it's like, I did a bunch of movies, nobody liked them, everyone thought I sucked, and then I made Snake and the Eagle Shadow, right? Like there isn't a lot of detail about this part of his life, which is why, you know, when we come, when we start looking at the, at the kind of generally accepted idea that he was being, made or or uh, kind of guided by Lo Wei into being the new Bruce Lee, that it doesn't really hold a lot of water when you actually watch the movies that they were trying to make at those times. Yeah, I think that's fair. I um, Like I said, and what I'm looking for might not be possible, but you know, part of my goal here is that is that nugget that I want to have discovered. But that might not be realistic because, as we've talked about before, we're talking about one of the biggest you know, movie stars in the history of the world. Yeah. Just numerically speaking, almost no one has done the numbers that Jackie Chan has done as an individual actor, let alone producer of other things. And so, um, you know, who am I to assume that we were going to find something other people didn't know about? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, that, that's probably silly. Um, but I, I agree with you. As much as I, you know, kind of haven't been excited about all these movies, I do appreciate the historical aspect of it, of seeing how these things develop and understanding, like, when we say, like, Jackie Chan was trying to be made into Bruce Lee, uh, all we're saying is, like every other kung fu actor for like over a decade right like that for years and years and years people wanted that fire that was bruce lee and and i don't think it's worth underestimating that cultural moment that i think you know in popular culture today i don't know how much people realize the that brief spark that kind of set the world on fire that was bruce lee because it was an international cultural phenomena that he you know kind of passed away before he even got to understand the yeah, experience absolutely. of his on his own. So like that's unbelievable. That's such an important cultural moment that it's worth understanding even through the lens of Jackie Chan. So uh, I want to ask you just quickly before I get into some of the quotes from Jackie Chan's books about To Kill with Intrigue. Had you ever heard of this film before we covered it here? No, I had never even heard of it. And you know, some of the other things we've done I had at least seen in a store or for sale. You know what I mean? Like for rent or for sale or I had seen a poster or someone had mentioned it. Like there were hints about some of them, not all of them, but some of them. This is on the list, just like his like sex movie of things that I didn't even know existed. (laughs) Uh, I had seen To Kill With Intrigue before uh, dubbed on VHS. 
in the early 2000s, late 1990s, uh, when DVD was just starting, there were like little, there were sort of like box sets that you would get at Walmart of older Jackie Chan movies trying to kind of uh, capitalize on his Hollywood success. And there would be a number of the films that we've covered so far, like uh, Shallon Wooden Men. And To Kill With Intrigue was usually one of the ones that were included on that. My memories of it were very faint. And honestly, the main memory I had of it was that Jackie Chan had that long hair in it and really didn't do any impressive fighting, which is all I really cared about back then when I was watching these movies. And the other thing was that it wasn't funny at all because I wanted funny because that's what I thought Jackie Chan did. So this uh, movie, To Kill With Intrigue, let's make it clear right from the very beginning, not a very funny movie, Liam. No, not at all. And I I do want to say I hadn't heard of it. I probably would have heard of it if I had looked more closely at the disc a friend picked up for me when they were visiting the Philippines, uh, which claimed to have all of the Jackie Chan movies ever on it. Uh, Unfortunately, when they delivered this disc to me, which they had purchased for a mere $20, uh, unsurprisingly, that did not play in my DVD player. And (laughs) I had to play it only on my computer. And even then, not all the files worked. So uh, I only managed to watch six of the... I don't know, 50, 60 movies that were on there that claimed to be all the Jackie Chan movies ever, which is literally what it said on the outside of the disc. What, do you remember any of the movies that you were able to watch on? No, because um, I also couldn't figure out how to turn on the English subtitles. Oh, my dear Lord. (laughs) (laughs) It had English subtitles. It claimed in English on the outside with English subtitles, but I could never find them. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Amazing, Liam. So uh, I'm just going to quote a little bit, as I usually do, from Jackie Chan's first biography, I Am Jackie Chan, uh, about uh, the little it has to say about To Kill With Intrigue. So you may remember, listeners, that on the previous episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, we covered Killer Meteors with Jimmy Wang Yu. He starts here, despite the presence of Jimmy, Killer Meteors was another flop. So is my next film, To Kill With Intrigue, a confusing melodrama in which I play the only survivor of a massacre, once again looking for revenge against the murderer of my family. The plot was absurdly complicated, and Lowe instructed me to look as tragic and grim as possible throughout the picture, even though, halfway through the film, I had lost track of what was going on with the story. Anyone who sees the movie, and I pity you if you do, will understand why. I'm not sure Lowe even had any idea where the plot was going, although I have to say the final fight sequence, which I directed while Lowe slept, turned out pretty well. Uh, Any thoughts on what Jackie Chan has to say about To Kill With Intrigue here, Liam? I mean, I love. I didn't know that he directed that final uh, fight scene, and, and I mm-hmm. agree it turned out well. I I don't know that it's the only. I've heard before that when I tried to do some research on this movie, that the last fight scene is the only good fight scene. I don't think that's fair. No, I don't think that's fair either. But it is the best one for me, at least. I well, well I mean, we're obviously going to talk about that when we get into the movie proper. But yeah, I have a some some thoughts when it comes to the the fighting in this film i also have some thoughts about the movie overall that might uh, be at odds with you uh, a little bit liam because i actually did enjoy to kill with intrigue to i think considering my expectations from having seen it years ago and not enjoying it i think i liked it a lot more than i was expecting to the only other thing that uh, jackie chan wrote about this film and it wasn't about this film specifically at all this is from his uh more recent biography never grow up he wrote these movies had some things in common. These are the movies that he made for Low Way. They all told a story of revenge, and all of them either flopped or were never released. My reputation was, fairly and squarely, box office poison. So uh, this is one of the films that made Jackie Chan box office poison, Liam. Uh, I don't know if, it's, uh, if, 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 if it was Jackie's fault, uh, if, uh, if whatever 
uh, Jackie was bringing to the table wasn't appealing to a wide audience, or if it might be just that these are not the kind of films that uh, really suited his talents. And I think I think at this point we can safely say, looking back, that that was the case. Liam, let's take a break. When we return, we are going to talk about To Kill with Intrigue. Listen, if you can save this boy's life, I'll give you anything that you want. And if you want my head as your price, I'll give it, and gladly too. Your head means nothing to me. Besides, it isn't yours to give. What do you mean? <laughs> you forget. You haven't found Chinchin yet. And soon, then the governor will kill you. How do you know about that? There's nothing that I don't know or won't do. That's why I could save his life. But on what conditions? That he goes with me to my place. After that? My business, and not yours. No way. You won't? <laughs> well, then you better get ready to bury him. Why are you... Now, wait. Now, miss, would you be willing to tell us just who you are? It's difficult for us just to hand him over to a complete stranger. Stranger? <laughs> you don't know just what a stranger I am. Well, all right. Will you let me take him, then? After the execution of his family by the Killer Bee Gang, Lei Xiaofeng is spared by its leader, who stands in the way of him becoming reunited with his love, as does a traitorous friend who takes advantage of their predicament. It's The Kill with Intrigue from the year 1978, uh, also known as Jackie Chan Connection, uh, though I haven't seen where in the world it actually is known as that, <laughs> which uh, you can imagine, again, all these early films got retitled after Jackie Chan found great fame and fortune. It was originally released uh, in Hong Kong on the 22nd of July, 1977, so I guess this is technically a 1977 film. In his first biography, Jackie Chan describes the film as this. Hong Kong actress Chu Feng leads the Killer Bee Gang on a revenge mission to destroy my family. She kills everyone but me, falls in love with me, and later saves my life by putting me through a torturous training re regiment so that I can defend myself against some two-faced quote-unquote friends. We filmed this in Korea, where it was terribly cold. Our trampolines and film equipment froze, and the chill generally ruined everyone's mood. It was no fun making this movie. It's not that much fun watching it, either. A side note, the name of my girlfriend in the movie, Chin Chin, had to be changed for the Japanese version because Chin Chin is the slang term for penis in Japanese. Uh, of course, once again, this has been directed by Lo Wei. Also, once again, uh, just with as with the Killer Meteors, it was written by Gu Long, who also uh, wrote a bunch of wuxia, uh, I guess, romance novels. So he has a lot of experience making complicated plots, which is certainly what we have here, uh, stars Jackie Chan as Lei Xiaofeng and Xu Feng as his sort of the leader of the Killer Bee Gangs, a gang who is also his nemesis in the film, a very interesting character. Xu Feng would later uh, retire from acting and then return to producing in, 19, uh, in the 1990s, where she actually would produce Farewell, My Concubine, the Palme d'Or winning film at the time, and was nominated for an Academy Award <laughs> during that year. So, I mean, she, she, uh, she left the acting world, but actually came back in a, in a, with a vengeance many years later. Uh, she's very impressive in this movie. We'll talk about her. We also have um, Shin Il Rong. Uh, I think he's a Korean actor. He's kind of the main nemesis that we find out at the end, though, for much of the film. Uh, we think of him as possibly a, uh, a friend of Jackie Chan. I guess even early on, we probably suspected that he was a bad guy. And Yu Ling Long, who plays Chin Chin in the film, uh, who doesn't have a lot to do at all. Liam, what are your general thoughts on 
to kill with intrigue. I mean, up front, the first thought is definitely there's way too much happening in this movie. Like, there are so many plot points that have no buildup or no explanation, sudden reveals that feel completely unearned. Um, and uh, for how much time we spend with these characters, very little effort to really explain, like, who they are and what they're about in the world. Um, but none of that is really that unexpected. It's a pretty standard uh, movie of this kind, this sort of mixture of fighting and, I don't know, emotional, historical something. You know, there's there's a, the very much like the love triangle aspect of the film. Um, I, I, there's something concerning about some of our characters, specifically the idea that uh, we have a character who is in every way immortal not immortal uh invincible yeah. but then just happens to like be attracted to Jackie Chan's character and then that's it you know <laughs> that's a bit of a bummer i don't love that as a characterization per se uh but overall the only real for me actual disappointment is just the way that the film uses Jackie Chan and we'll get into that in more detail later when we talk specifically about his performance other than that it's it's pretty amusing um, it, it has its weak points. Some of the fighting is not as great as it could be. I think it, it has some of the um, flaws of some of the other films at this time where it's not filmed as well as it could be. Some of the fighting looks very much detached, but that's not true of all of it. Some of it really works very well. There's some fun innovations here. Um, and the as as we sort of discussed earlier, the end fight scene is pretty solid. It's It's maybe not... Uh, one of Jackie Chan's best, but in the realms of these sorts of movies from this time period, it's not bad at all. And so, like, you know, I, I don't know that I would recommend this movie as, like, a must-see, but I, I didn't hate it, and I don't think I would walk out on it given the opportunity in, like, a maybe, like, a marathon screening or something. Like, I, I think I mostly enjoyed the movie. I will say it's certainly a lot easier to watch a movie like this in the version that we watched, which right. was widescreen and subtitled. And it was, you know, it's just a lot. This is a movie that, that actually does have some pretty impressive visuals in it and takes advantage of the Korean locations in which it was filmed, even though it was apparently very cold. And actually, you can see that. You can actually see the cold breath coming out of their mouths uh, during a lot of the scenes. Probably a very unpleasant to make this movie. But um, I, it, it's hard from what we're just talking about, Liam. To explain to someone listening who may not have seen it why Jackie in his description suggested that the plot was very complex. Because it does have a very complex plot, but it's complex because it's confusing. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Right, right. Um, and, and so just to give you an idea, this movie starts with Jackie Chan's character, who is the son of this lord, I guess. A son of a, uh, a very wealthy and powerful man. And he, you know, the first scene in the movie is him insulting and disparaging his girlfriend and making her run away in disgust from him. Then he goes to uh, his father, who is having this massive celebration for his birthday, and then he starts insulting everyone in the room, and everyone leaves, and then he starts insulting his father. And at this point, I was like, what is going on with this Jackie Chan character? We then discover that he's doing all of this on purpose. He's very smart, you see. He's, dri he's driving all of these people away because this killer bee gang who his father has in some way besmirched. We found out that he killed some members of it. Um, they're coming to kill him, and it's literally impossible to stop them. And and we didn't know at that point that they have supernatural powers, but that is what we seem to find out. They use magic at the very least. And this gang is led by Shu Feng, who then, after she kills everybody, 
except for Jackie Chan, who uh, he spares her life, so she spares his. Then she falls in love with him, and that is kind of the crux of the rest of the movie. He then tries to find his girlfriend, uh, Jackie Chan does, who he's left with another friend of his to take care of her. And at the same time, as he's going on this journey, Xu Feng is basically following him and is obsessed with him the whole time, both saving his life and threatening it throughout the rest of the movie. It's that's very confusing. weird. It's very weird. So that's weird enough, but then we'll get to the twist in just a little bit. You could probably, maybe you'd already guess it, even if you heard a little bit of what I was just saying. Uh, so I just want to talk a little bit about this idea of these killer bees and their magic. You only really see it used to any great extent in that first fight scene where all of these gang members, they attack uh, basically the house of Jackie Chan's father. Jackie Chan's father, uh, some of his men wanted to stay and help fight. Both of uh, Jackie Chan's parents are killed in, in this fray, but... There's like they use a lot of fire and smoke and a lot of kind of disappearing, reappearing tricks. What did you think of that fight scene, Liam? I love the way it was filmed. Yeah. I don't know that it works in all aspects as a fight scene. There's a few like weird cuts for me, and I'm not always clear what's happening. But mm -hmm. that matters less than the fact that for just a brief moment, this movie gets kind of psychedelic. It actually, yeah. it was the first moment in the movie where I thought, Oh, I might enjoy this a lot, actually, because up to now, I mean, I think all the stuff with Jackie Chan insulting his lady friend is just intolerable. It's it's the, the, because it's not explained very well. It's needlessly cruel until we find out why it is. Right. Um, and, it, and it's just not very interesting because we don't care about these people yet. So it's like, all right, so he doesn't like this lady, I guess. Uh, okay. Where where are we going from here? It's 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 hard to feel engaged with, and and I felt that way about the movie. Like I didn't feel like I was fully enmeshed in what was happening until this starts with the killer bees, and then suddenly I'm in some sort of weird trippy world with weird camera angles. And at one point, it felt like maybe there was a fisheye lens going yeah. on or something. Yeah, it gets it gets magical. Really, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, I have to say, like the first like twenty minutes of this is filmed in a really interesting way. There's lots of long tracking shots, and there's a lot of handheld stuff during the fight scenes. Just a lot of, of interesting filmmaking that we don't usually see in the films at this time, where everything seems to be pretty standardized. But that is probably the most flamboyant fight scene that's in the entire movie. Yes. And I, you know, most of the rest of the stuff is, is a lot more kind of standard, which isn't to say that it's bad necessarily, but I really like the inventiveness that's on display. Even if, again, I don't really know why this gang has all of these tricks up their sleeve. So the Jackie, Jackie Chan, he survives, even though his, his whole family's been murdered and their, I guess, property's been burned to the ground. Uh, he goes off in search of his girlfriend who's being taken care of by his by his good friend, or, or I guess a friend that he's made recently. Someone even mentions that they haven't known each other very long. So this is Chen Chun. Chen Chun, him and, uh, and, and Jackie Chan's girlfriend, they start to connect, right? Because he's taking care of her. He's keeping her safe. We don't really know anything about this guy whatsoever. And then we discover something, Liam, because the other thing that happens to Jackie Chan throughout this film is that he gets on the bad side of another gang called the Bloody Rain Gang. So <laughs> there is this company that I guess all they do is bring items from place to place. It's They're like an escort service. They escort like valuable property from place to place. And uh, Jackie Chan, he ends up uh, getting, getting wrapped up in this because they think that Chen Chun 
has stolen some of their property. They sent some men to kill him, and they ended up fighting Jackie Chan instead. They're very sorry afterwards to find out that they were attacking the wrong people, and Jackie Chan ends up connecting with the owner of this escort company. So it does sound kind of complex when I'm explaining it like that, but in the movie, I am like was totally with it up until the point that the big reveal happens. Explain the big reveal to me, Liam. Well, it turns out that Chen Chun... Uh, the man who they think robbed them of the governor's stuff yes, is, in fact, the governor mm-hmm. himself who yes. hired them, but then also is the leader of the Bloody Rain Gang and is, in fact, become the governor in some sort of secret plot for the Bloody Rain Gang to rule the entire, I don't know, province, area, whatever it is, the, the area that they're in. So this is all part of a big plan of the Bloody Rain Gang to take over the whole area, and thus, Fourth Dragon must die. So let me explain this, uh, just as the, that, that weird part of it again, which is that when Jackie Chan uh, is looking for his girlfriend, he goes to this location that they're supposed to be at, that Chen Chun, his friend, who's taking care of his girlfriend, is supposed to be at. The escort people have hired members of the Bloody Rain Gang to kill who's ever in that building, they accidentally attacked Jackie Chan instead. So what we find out later is they were hired to attack their own leader. <laughs> and I don't know if they were supposed to succeed or fail or what was supposed to happen in that circumstance. But Jackie Chan, at the end of the movie, he has to face off against his good friend, who I think actually has legitimately fallen in love with his girlfriend. And that is so weird. That is how a movie that has uh, almost all of its drama based around Jackie Chan versus Xu Feng uh, and her love for him, that's how it still manages to end with just two guys beating on each other. I I do want to say, okay, um, the precedent in these sorts of films that these – and they use the word gang. I don't know what the actual term is in – whatever, mm-hmm. Mandarin or whatever, um, or I don't know if this was filmed in Cantonese, but the, the point is, I don't know if these are gangs and how we think of them or if they're something else entirely, but the precedent where the leader of the organization is secret so that the people in the organization don't know who the leader is, <laughs> that's a thing that exists, like I've seen it in other movies. However, this movie doesn't establish that at all. So when you know that they were hired to kill this guy who's actually their leader, you can't help but wonder... Well, wouldn't they know that that was their? You know what I mean? Like, it, I guess it's possible that they don't know, but the film is completely uninterested in the idea that they were hired to kill him. That doesn't even come up. You kind of think that they were in on the plan, and then it's like, well, why were they trying to kill Jackie Chan? Yeah, I don't even exactly. Know. Does he? Did he know Jackie Chan was there, and this was all part of his plan? It it does. There's just a little bit. Like the crazy thing here is, maybe it sounds like we're looking for total clarity of plot. That's not what these movies offer. But all you need is one sentence, like one explanation, just one second of like, well, I knew you were there. Done. We're done here. That's like the flimsiest of explanations. That alone would be enough. It's more that the movie doesn't care that that doesn't make sense. Like the movie just is uninterested. Not that, well, the explanation's stupid. Who cares if the explanation, I mean, we're literally dealing with a killer bee gang and a bloody rain gang. Like (laughs) viability, you know, like believability is not really on the table right now. All we want to know is that the movie knows this doesn't make sense and they try to give us some explanation. Nope, it's not even on the table. We're just going to move forward like this all, it all lines up. It all is the same as later in the film uh, after days and days and days of training and being 
tortured every time he fails, it's revealed that Jackie Chan merely has to drink his torturer slash master's blood to get her powers and then just like jets, like just leaves. And that we're just supposed to be okay with that. <laughs> it doesn't make any fucking sense. Uh, so just just to explain that part of the movie. Yeah. So Jackie Chan is never knowledgeable about what's going on for this entire movie. Shu no. Feng, again, the the woman who both loves him and kind of hates him at the same time, she just provides this information because she seems to know everything that's going on. So at one point in the movie, Jackie Chan gets stabbed through the stomach and it looks like he's going to die. He recovers because she nurses him back to health. And then as he's returning to health, she tells him this information that his girlfriend is actually with uh, the person that he thought was his friend is actually the governor and the leader of the Bloody Rain Gang. He's the one that he got. He has to get his revenge against. Jackie Chan isn't strong enough to do it. So she says, you cannot leave this place until you can beat me in a fight. So every time he fights her and loses, she does something terrible to him, including <laughs> burning his face. And I mean, like scarring up his face and making him eat a hot coal so his throat is destroyed. And by the way, he never wins any of these fights. Even in the final fight against her that he says, if I lose, I'll drink poison. Instead of giving him the poison to kill him, which he thinks he's drinking, he actually drinks her own blood, which apparently gives him the extra fortitude to go out and fight the final boss, his, his good buddy, the governor. Uh, very confusing end of the movie. I mean, I didn't really have trouble following it. I was just baffled at what I was seeing because, again, it doesn't really make any sense. I had a little trouble for the beginning. By the time we get to that stuff, it, it it's all making sense, but not at the same time. Like, the, the, the cards are lining up. I just don't know why they are. Right. It is just upsetting to watch her torture him and then go, look, I knew you were never going to beat me unless I gave you my blood. So here's my blood. What? Really? I, 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 the, I don't know. There's... The emotional motivations are not always clear. But then again, I don't know how many people, even at the time, were watching this movie being like, I'm really hoping to get some compelling emotional drama out of this yeah, film. Right. I don't think that was what people wanted. That was sort of a veneer over the fighting. Um, you know, kind of like pro wrestling. And so uh, that's fine. You know, like I, I like that there's the drama over top. It's just this particular movie, the drama just feels so messy and I don't understand it, but I don't know if I need to or not. Uh, it, it still is what it is. It's, it's particularly messy considering that that core idea that this incredibly powerful assassin spares his life and falls in love with him and then obsesses about him as he is on a quest to find his girlfriend and she is just frustrated because he has no interest in her or shows no interest in her. Yes, it's a very kind of sexist idea, especially uh, especially considering how much strength she has a as a character otherwise. But it's, you know, that is enough of a dramatic linchpin that you can base the movie on. But then you add all of these weird twists on top of it and it just it just doesn't really doesn't really hold together as well as I'd like. I do like, again, the interplay between Jackie Chan's character and the Su Feng character simply because she is so powerful and that she is willing to... I mean, they almost have kind of like an S&M relationship at that point in the movie where she's torturing him and he keeps coming back and he keeps training. Um, it's just... It, this is also one of those movies where he is supposed to be a martial arts expert right from the beginning, even though we don't know how, and that he's already better than most people at fighting. He just needs to get that little extra bit at the end. Liam, 
speaking of the fighting in this movie, this does not have the kind of comedic fighting that we are later going to find in Jackie Chan's movies. But that doesn't mean that the fighting in it uh, isn't of a, uh, a high quality. Jackie Chan was one of the action directors on this film. And we heard uh, already that he directed the final fight in it. Was there any action scenes that stuck out to you? What was your favorite in the film? That's a good question. Um, trying to remember now because they're kind of running together for me. Uh, I, I think the fight with the Bloody Rain Gang was pretty okay. Like, the first attack against Jackie Chan was okay. But, okay the, yeah. but the second fight in the woods, especially with the guy with the giant club, I just yes. love when these movies get into weapons where you're like, there's no way that that's practically helpful. <laughs> and there's a guy with a club, y'all, that is the size of a human person. And I guess <laughs> it's supposed to be scary because it's so heavy that if he hits you with it, you're not getting up. There's no way he hits someone with that club and they're like, oh, I took it. You know, it's like, that's a life-ending club. But it's also so unwieldy. I just don't imagine anyone ever actually fought with a club that big. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but that whole fight was a lot of fun. There's some neat sort of uh, 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 wire work in that one, some unexpected sort of turns in it. And, uh, you know, I don't know. I, 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 I really like that. And I think the final fight is really great. It has its own confusing elements. Um, there's a moment <laughs> where Jackie Chan's character realizes that uh, Chun Chun is uh, – uh, sensitive or or vulnerable vulnerable that's what i'm looking for on his head so it's like he's got to get this thing off his head he's going to attack his head and the 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 sort of final move of that fight was confusing because he basically chokes the guy but as far as i can tell i think we're supposed to believe that while he's choking him and the gentleman is weaker for being choked he then jumps onto a statue pulls him up and rams the top of his head into the nose of the statue and that is the finishing move not that he's (laughs) Actually hanging him and breaking his neck or something. Listeners, Liam had to explain this to me before we started recording. I thought like the whole whole fight, Jackie's just saying, I got to hit his weak point. I have to hit his head. I know his head is his weak point. And then he takes off like the protective thing on his on his on his hair and. And it's like, okay, he's going to hit him in the weak point. And then all he does is wrap a rope around his neck and hang him and choke him to death. And I'm like, what about the weak point? But I guess what Liam is saying is right, that he actually hits his head. Though I don't think hitting the head is necessary at the point where the guy is being choked to death. It doesn't seem like that the, the weak point really played into it that strongly. I think that, that this, is, this is all I'll say. He's struggling very hard until his head hits the nose of the statue. Then there's a scrunch sound. <laughs> <laughs> and then he stopped struggling. So I, I think we're meant to believe that he's caved his head in or something. Yeah. But it is not. It's certainly, for, for it being the final move of a very long fight in the realm of the movie, it's not actually played with the sort of drama you would think. No, it kind of comes out of nowhere. That's that's right. Yeah. And, and it's also not... <sighs> A lot of times in movies like this, our character has learned something, and that insight helps them win. And in this one, he just chokes the guy. There's no special move. There's nothing he learned. There's no point where he's like, I can feel her blood giving me special powers. Yes, he never mentions that. It really feels like he could have just choked this guy at any time, but he just happens to do it now. It's it's a weird way for this fight to end. And I, you know, I wonder why it was decided to end the fight there. It almost feels like they're just like, we just have to finish the movie. So we're done here. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I think the, the, the general consensus is that later Jackie Chan films, a lot of the plots were made up on the spot or just were taken from old folk legends. They didn't bring in some kind of famous Wuxia novelist to, to try to put them together. Maybe that was for their betterment a little bit later on. Uh, do you remember, Liam, and I know that you only have just watched this movie, but do you remember what happened after that final scene like how does this movie end 
I don't remember actually, Doug. Um, I, the reason I even asked you that is because it's so unmemorable. All that happens is the Jackie Chan's girlfriend and him they reunite, and then uh, Su Feng's character just walks away unhappy, and that's how it ends. There's no, there's no like confrontation between the women and like, fighting over him or anything like that. Not that. that oh, been I feel better. like he like remembers her or something. Like I think that's. I, I think you're. You know, walks away unhappy. I think it's actually meant to be like he's remembering that she saved him or so. It's. I think it's meant to be sentimental. Yeah. But it's like not sentimental at all. <laughs> uh, Liam, I want to talk about something that happens in this movie that is kind of unpleasant. I mean, it's very unpleasant, though it's not played. It's not that it's played for laughs or played lightly. It's just sort of something that happens and then isn't really referred to again. There's a part when Jackie Chan is searching for his girlfriend that he is confused and depressed. And I like, by the way, that the way he searches for his girlfriend is just walking down the street, screaming her name as loudly as he can. And that apparently doesn't ask anybody, doesn't stop people on the street saying, hey, did you see someone who looks like this? It's just that's the way he's going to handle this. So there's a part where he's he's in... I'm trying to remember exact the exact details. Basically, he's confused, he's sick, he sees Su Feng and he mistakes her for his girlfriend or he as in some sort of like uh fever haze sees her as his girlfriend and basically sexually assaults her um and the movie it's not that the movie thinks of it lightly but at the very least her obsession with him grows after they have sex or whatever they have afterwards what did you think of the sequence in the film um, upsetting. I guess yeah, it's is upsetting. What I want to say it's upsetting um, because it's not played as being very dramatic. That it's kind of played as a good thing that happened. Yeah, I. It, it's also treated as minor. Like if you, if you, not that you would miss it, but it's not played for the amount of weight that it should carry. It's just like one more event in a film full of events, and I found it. Uh, I don't know. It, I almost kind of wanted to just let it, it just be like, let's just pretend that didn't happen because it just was, I don't, I don't know why include it. It didn't, I guess what's upsetting to me about it besides just how it is, is it doesn't even seem that important to the movie. Like, I, I don't know why it's there. It's not sexy. It's not, um, it's not important, really, to the development of these characters. I don't understand why it's a part of the film. I mean, I guess you could make the case that them having had sex, and it seems afterwards that he may not even remember that it happened, um, that that it connects her with him to such a degree that her anger is a little bit more explainable later. That the fact that she tortures him and feels so much kind of uh, disgust towards him because, and, and but still obsessiveness and love towards him at the same time, that that's a, that is partially explained by the fact that they had this intimate moment that he no, neither cared about nor remembered. I guess. Yeah, I know. It's real fucked up all the same. I'm not trying to defend it in any way. Just trying to, to make it make sense. And that, I think that's actually kind of a fool's errand when it comes to this movie anyway. Uh, speaking of a fool's errand, let's remember once again that this movie is designed to make Jackie Chan, the famous funny man of, of kung fu comedy, a, a martial arts superstar in the mold of Bruce Lee. They do that again by spending the first 15 minutes having him be awful to everybody. Then he gets stabbed to death and basically has to lie in a coma for a good chunk of the movie. And then he has to eat a charcoal and get scarred up to the point where he is unrecognizable. And that is, and even though he does fin win the final fight, how are you supposed to, Liam, come out of this movie thinking of 
the Jackie Chan character as being this incredible character and actor that you want to see more of. What was the plan here? I just don't understand it. I mean, we've asked this question before, Doug. Yeah, we certainly have. But the thing is, I've, I'm past the point now where I think that they're trying to put Jackie Chan in Bruce Lee-like roles. Bruce Lee would never have his face scarred never, like that in a movie. Never. Now, of course, he gets he gets sliced on his cheek in Enter the Dragon. But, like, it, let again, if you haven't seen this, he gets scarred, so half of his face is just a mass of scar. He is, you know, you wouldn't even be able to make a, a sequel to this movie because his character would be so fucked up looking at the end of it. So, so I'm just trying to even come out of it thinking, okay, even if it wasn't supposed to be a Bruce Lee-ish role, how is this even supposed to make people want to see more of this actor? It doesn't make it. Yeah, it's a real failure in regards to that, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to be, um, I don't want to assume too much. I want to be the guy being like, uh, you know, What's the term like Monday morning quarterbacking this movie? Some sure. forty some or whatever years later, like you know who cares what I think? But for me, I don't understand what the motivation was other than we've got this script. Let's make a movie. Who's around? Here's Jackie. We'll put him in it. I I think even though he's the villain, the guy who plays Chun Chun comes off more debonair and interesting. absolutely yeah he does. Whereas Jackie Chan. <laughs> Other he's than also him, more traditional. I mean, Chun Chun. He's also more traditionally handsome. So right. even on that level, he seems more like a movie star. Everything about it works in his favor and in um, uh, Su Fang's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing is pro Jackie in this movie. Like there, there is no star making moment for him in this movie. He is merely there. Um, and even I would say that even in the fighting, like not that he does a bad job, but they don't give him a lot of like big moments where it's no. like yeah this is the man there's probably only a few parts where he even looks cool he mostly looks like a dick most of the movie yeah yeah i mean even when he's not supposed to be uh acting like a dick anymore he comes off as being very humorless like they have that that uh, escort service where the guy who runs it who is apparently a wealthy and powerful uh, man he's the he kind dragon of- yeah, he's the, he calls himself the fourth dragon, and he really takes a liking to Jackie, I think because he's so tough and he's so willing to throw himself up into fights and things like that. But Jackie is, gives him the cold shoulder the whole time ex- until they save his life, and after that, he just basically says, I am the fifth dragon. I'm Basically, I'm family with you because of that. Uh, it, it, it just feels unearned at that point. I mean, I was waiting the whole movie. It's like, when's the point in this movie where Jackie's going to have to, you know, train a lot? Because that's, you know, that usual thing in so many Kung Fu movies and Jackie Chan movies in particular. It's so strange that that, that doesn't happen until the final 20 minutes and in such a bizarre form. And none of it makes him look very good. If anything, he looks more pathetic in that sequence, even though I really like those kind of individual fights and the idea of getting better and better. Very kind of a 36 Chamber of Shaolin-like. But... He just he never comes off as a superstar, and nothing he does in the fights comes off as being like I am an unbeatable Superman. It just continues to make me feel so strongly that no one knew what to do with him, and yeah. you know, I'm not saying that's not on him too. You know, like he's not pushing for things that he's still figuring out himself what would work for him as a star, but it's I don't know that we have another in in the current. Hollywood system that we're in, right? A lot of people are made in their 20s. 
Uh, and it, it's only like a certain kind of like comedic or character actor that kind of comes into their own later in life, right? So here's this young man who's been in a ton of movies, but no one knows what the hell to do with him. And I don't know, at least in the last 20 years, that there's a single actor I can name that had been in as many movies, given so many opportunities, but not used well in any <laughs> of them. You know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like anyone who's... Uh, you know, had this many misses doesn't get a chance the way that he ends up getting a chance. And then so, you know, and again, I don't want that to be a judge on him per se, but it's just flabbergasting me with all the charm and all the acrobatics and all the character that we know him for that we're this far in and no one seems to have tapped that in a meaningful way. The biggest thing, of course, is that they probably thought of him as this person with this inc these incredible physical gifts, which is what he had, right? They may not have seen as much of the charm. They may not have seen as much of the humor. Maybe it just didn't register to Lo Wei or the people making these movies. But they knew that he could do these incredible physical things. But even those physical things are not used to a great extent in these nope. movies. You, you see in the final fight him do some acrobatics, and you see him do some interesting fighting. But... Boy, uh, it. I mean, I guess some of that's on him as well as the fight choreographer for some of this. But it, it just, it doesn't feel like someone going all out. And you think if any movie could be your last movie, you would always be going all out in terms of what you could do. And uh, I mean, if, if there's anything you can say about Jackie Chan, he 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 puts his efforts on film. And what I mean by that is he gets hurt a lot in his movies, mm -hmm. even in this one, which apparently he broke his nose making. But yeah, it doesn't feel like this this kind of Herculean effort on his part, which is one of the great things about his later movies, where you feel his progression as a, as a person and as a fighter. Maybe part of the big reveal here, though, is the realization that I think people have made, but maybe we're coming around to our own version of it, which is that he changed the genre. Yeah, that like it's not that these movies finally figured out how to use him that through sheer fucking force of will he changed what people thought of as these kind of movies and so over time the movies grew to uh, feature him in a way because of who he was that he was part of like maybe not the sole cause but part of a, 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 a tidal shift in what these movies even were because yeah. when I think of like even older good Jackie Chan movies, they are so different in every way than a movie like this. I think I think that you've you've really hit the nail on the head, which is the idea that it's not that Lo Wei was this terrible figure who was devoted to making terrible movies and was just, you know, just wanted to exploit Jackie Chan. It's that he didn't want to be a collaborator because he's Lo Wei. Who the fuck is Jackie Chan? At that point, he was a nobody. So he's the creative force. Jackie Chan needed to have someone who was going to allow him to have enough input that, that he could create this new form, right? That he could collaborate on this new form with someone who had interest in martial arts as a, uh, as a movie form in a way that wasn't rooted in tradition and wasn't rooted in making someone the next Bruce Lee, basically. That they could do something different, that they could do something a little more creative. And we're going to see that not quite on the next episode, but pretty soon. I do want to talk about Jackie Chan. I know we've been talking about him at length for the last little bit, but I just want to talk about how he looks in this movie, Liam, because it is a very distinctive look for Jackie Chan. He has that long hair, which you don't see in a lot of Jackie Chan movies. He has those kind of Vulcan eyebrows. Uh, and he is, again, a very stoic, humorless character throughout the movie. It's just... It was, it, just to bring you back to when I first saw this movie on VHS, when I first saw it, I had trouble knowing who the main character was. And 
if it was supposed to be Jackie Chan playing it. I hadn't seen many Jackie Chan movies at that point. So he has such a different look that I didn't realize in those opening scenes where he's insulting his girlfriend. I'm like, well, that's not Jackie Chan because he doesn't look much like him and he's not doing the things that are Jackie Chan-like. It's only really the nose that makes him look like the Jackie Chan that we sort of know and love. It's a weird look. I mean, yeah. It's a weird look. I, I think the wig is the worst part of it. It's, yeah. it's distracting. The wigs in this entire movie, and again, I never really thought of that when I first saw it, again, on a scratchy old full-screen VHS tape. But watching this on like a high-definition, all you can see is like all the glue around the edges of their wig uh-huh, when uh-huh. they're close up. Yeah, the wigs in this movie are absolutely terrible. Probably the cold weather didn't help with that either. It's It takes away from the movie in a way I didn't expect. That mm-hmm. makes it feel even more silly. Uh, does it again? Not a bad movie, but just one of the weird production aspects that you're like, why? I don't. You know, the the other thing I would say is, um, uh, some of the weaponry in this movie looks like fake in a way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah not yeah, that, yeah. not not that these movies don't always have some weapon that looks fake, but that's part of the fun. But like, even some of the most ba- basic weapons have like a weird shine to them that mm-hmm. I'm like, that doesn't look like it's made of metal. Like it just looks like <laughs> something else. I don't know. It's it, it was it was a little again when it comes to like the human sized club. I love that that looks fake. That's great. That's some silly shit. But there are just a couple other times in this movie where I thought ah, that's what we went with. That's what we think. <laughs> All right. I do find that the era of of like ultra high definition hasn't been kind to the production values of a lot of seventies martial arts movies. It's something that you kind of have to accept to a certain extent. But I did notice the same thing that maybe some of the weapons didn't look as you know the metals didn't look as shiny as maybe metal uh-huh. should, uh, that sort of thing. And, you know, you also start then. I will um, actually, I did. One of the things I did notice in a positive way is that the audio in this movie, and maybe it's just the version of we have that we have is actually really good. Like some of the sound effects are really uh, polished in this compared to a lot of the movies that we have watched so far. I don't know. I, yeah. It's it's weird to even have noticed it. Maybe it's because I watched this film with headphones on. But uh, but yeah, good job on the audio. <laughs> I it, guess it, we're, we're finding things to compliment. No, I mean, some sometimes Foley work is what's distracting in some of these yeah. movies. And this was not that. It was, it was pretty solid. I'd even say the dubbing was like, you know, I mean, we watched it with subtitles. Wait, was there? But but they There's, still were recording later. Yeah, yeah. In fact, yeah. I, I, again, I don't think Jackie Chan was doing his own voice at this time at all. No, no, so, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the the I mean, again, it's harder to judge dubbing when it's in another language because maybe there's something I'm missing. Yeah, but, of course. But I, we've watched enough of these movies where even the Mandarin or Cantonese dubbing doesn't match what's happening on screen, which is real surprising because you're like, is it that the language you're speaking? What's happening? But it's because there wasn't really live sound uh, for a lot of these films. And so, uh, and that's not something people really talk about anymore. Like that, that that's an essential part of making these movies. A lot of times is like what happened in the, in the recording studio later. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's something we're t- we've been talking a little bit about on our Jodorowsky podcast, Jodorowsky, which, you know, the idea that that's actually a creative opportunity. That yes. you can you can heighten things in the dubbing process and you can change people's voices and you can change people's performances after the fact. And that when I was like a, a teenager, I thought, you know, I was a snob about this sort of thing. So, you know, subs only, dubs never if I could help it. But I've gained a real appreciation for the art of dubbing that that is a really kind of a separate thing that you really Certainly when Hollywood moved away from, from uh, post-dub and ADR, that you see it a lot more in kind of these international movies in an interesting way. And I don't just say that because sometimes you'll hear snippets of famous movie scores in these kung fu movies yeah. that aren't supposed to be there. Uh, Liam, any final thoughts on To Kill with Intrigue? Um, 
you know, I'll go ahead and say, even though I said I wouldn't necessarily recommend it, I think this is one of the movies we've watched where if you're a true like Jackie Chan fan who's trying to like be a completist, this might be worth your time. I, I I think it's worth it, especially if you are a big fan, to see those movies maybe that did not use him well, to know like the variety of his career. It's not all the maestro. You know, like some of these other movies are like he is the man and it's his show. So if if you're one of our listeners who has mostly skipped these movies and, and you're waiting for us to get to the the ones, you know, and love, uh, this might be one to dip your toe into, because I think overall it's still a pretty good film or at least a pretty representative film of the time. Um, and it's your opportunity to see how misused Jackie was being, uh, <laughs> how how much Jackie was being misused at this time. I one thing I've said a few times now is that this part of Jackie Chan's history has been sort of compressed into, oh, I made a bunch of films for Lo Wei. They were all failures and uninteresting. I feel like that's a little unfair to the movies. Again, I find the the, the relationship between Jackie and Su Feng in this to be really interesting. I think she actually is terrific in the movie, and she actually is pretty impressive in the martial arts scenes as well. And I just want to give her credit. And I think all of the movies that we've talked about have something interesting about them. They are not necessarily great movies as a whole or a complete movie but there's usually some sort of fight scene that's interesting or good or worth recommending on you know kind of um separated from the movie as a whole and again these are movies that at this point are a lot easier to find than they were before so yeah i mean again if you're interested in the career of jackie chan and you've seen all the classics and you want to explore more of what he he's done hey this is a very off model jackie chan movie and there's nothing wrong with that you don't get what comes after without this before it and i think I think To Kill with Intrigue is only a middling kung fu movie. It's just a lesser Jackie Chan kung fu movie, which is has more to do with the quality of his work at his best than it does with martial arts movies as a whole. A lot of them are of this quality. Agreed. Liam, on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, yes, we're continuing on. More Jackie Chan movies leading up to Snake and the Eagle's Shadow, but this one is 1978's Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin. Are you excited, Liam? Snake and, A- Snake and Crane Arts of Shaolin. I'll be honest. I have no idea what this is, so I, I am a little excited. I, even if it's not great Jackie, I'm, hope it's still, I'm hoping it's still a really solid martial arts film. Hey, you know what? Hope springs eternal. I like that in you, Liam. It, it's in me as well. I don't know what to expect. I have not seen Snake and Crane, Arts of Shaolin, but I'm going to hope that it's as good as the Jackie Chan classics because I just love disappointment, apparently. <laughs> uh, yeah, on the next episode of We Do Our Own Stunts, Snake and Crane, Arts of Shaolin. Liam, if people want to check out more episodes of We Do Our Own Stunts or other cinema smorgasbord podcasts, what's the best way for them to do so? Well, they can obviously uh, dive into our archive over at cinemasmorgasbord.com. Uh, that's where we have the the long run of uh, the variety of shows we do on uh, this uh, show we we cover everything from Jackie Chan to we have a Carol Kane focused podcast. We have a podcast that explores genre cinema around the world, and we have our new uh, Eurocrime podcast as well. Um, if they are interested in the latest episode as well as the family of shows that are part of the Cinepunks podcast network, they can head over to cinepunks.com. That's C I N E P O N X, or follow Cinepunks on any number of social media platforms: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all C I N E P. 
P-U-N-X. Of course, we as a show are on Twitter at Cinema Smorg, S-M-O-R-G. Yes. And yes, you can find all those links over at cinemasmorgsboard.com or on cinepunks.com. You can also follow Liam on Twitter at Liam Rules. That's R-U-L-Z. Of course, you can follow me on there as well at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. If there's a film that you want to see covered on Cinema Smorgasbord, you can always contact us via email or through our various social networks. And if you'd like, you can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, give us feedback. Give us what you like and don't like, and we can try to adjust, or maybe not. We'll see. Uh, but, <laughs> for, but for now, Liam, I think it's time for us to say goodnight. We're going to be back very soon with another Jackie Chan classic. Good night, everybody. Night-night. Why?